Emmy Award-winning producer, actor, and comedian Larry Wilmore is back on the air, hosting a podcast where he weighs in on the issues of the week and interviews guests in the world of politics, entertainment, culture, sports, and beyond. Check out Larry Wilmore Black on the Air on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Bazarian. Come on! You, uh, you and your kids doing the crate challenge at all outside? Absolutely not. <laughs> the crate challenge. I've seen these people falling on their face and whatnot online, but I am unaware. Has it become a, a wave where Tons of people yeah, are doing this. It, I, saw, it, I saw one video of the guy smashing his face. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, understand. No, thank you. I have no interest in, in uh, having a permanent back damage for the rest of my life. I saw a video <laughs> of a woman breaking her arm doing it. It's like, no, thank you. I'm good. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just watch the videos from afar and, and chuckle to myself. Yeah, no, no crate <laughs> challenges for us. Um, we have reached the quiet time uh, throughout the NBA, but that, Interestingly enough, there has been a ton of news since we last spoke. Schedule came out on Friday. We saw, um, you know, in terms of what the big games are, things that we look out for, the best matchups, what's going to be on Christmas, what they're uh, who's playing at the very end of the year. Um, anything that particularly stood out to you from schedule announcement day? Um, I thought. NBA.com had an interesting article that, that said the schedule is commemorating the 75th anniversary with some classic matchups, like some anniversary games um, that I thought was kind of cool. Um, but, like, you know, I, I think this year will be very interesting. They, they had a week about like some of the, uh, the uh, like 1946, 47 season, three teams that were active then. I mean, I'm sure we'll see some cool stuff. Maybe we'll see some classic jerseys for weeks like that in December during that week. But um, I don't know. They have other stuff on anniversaries as well. Uh, 
from, you know, decades ago. I wonder if I haven't looked closely enough to see if there's anniversary games from recent years, but obviously, you know, like with Knicks and Hawks playing on Christmas Day, we'll get drama with stuff like that. But um, that's what stuck out to me. I just think it's cool how they have some of those anniversary games and maybe there'll be some stuff around that on the days of those games. Unsurprisingly, the Lakers led the way with a total of 42 games on either ABC, TNT, ESPN, or NBA TV. Following the Lakers were the Warriors. So the Lakers had 42 games, so over half of their games on national television. Uh, The Warriors were 41, Brooklyn 37, and then... Those two finals appearance teams, uh, one that won the championship, the Milwaukee Bucks, 36 now, uh, which is their highest ever by a wide margin. And then the Suns, who were hardly ever on national television last year, got 33 of their games on national TV. So we will see a ton of the Suns on a big stage. Boston also 33. Despite their down season last season, uh, they still have a ton of national television games. Other ones, uh, the Knicks have, I believe I read more national television games this upcoming year with 29 than they've had in like the last decade combined or something, or the last at least five years combined. Uh, The Clippers still on TV 27 times. I was kind of surprised by that because, you know, everybody knew that the, uh, the, the Kawhi is going to be out this upcoming year. And then the Sixers, Mavericks, Jazz kind of round out uh, the top 10. So those were the top 10 teams in terms of uh, most games. The one that we said we were going to keep a lookout for was the Suns. We knew their number would go Got up huge. Also, you know, we said we were going to look for uh, the Pelicans. They've been on national television a million times over the course of the last two years, the first two Zion years, and they are not one of the top 10 teams this year. Um, Interestingly enough, now they have not been a playoff team either of those two years, and so their lack of success probably played a part in that, but I found it interesting um, that that, that, that the Pelicans weren't in the top 10 because I do think people still want to see Zion. I bet they'll flip it. Like if the Pelicans are good, then in the latter half of the year, they'll flex in some of those games into national TV, right? Yep. So in, instead they're having some of those games early in the year. They have a game versus Trey Young and the Hawks versus the Warriors, uh, TNT versus the Suns. They got an NBA TV game against the Pacers on ESPN against the, the Bucks before the new year. And then there's not a lot of them, you know, towards the second half of the season. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe if they're good and they're competitive, Flex they'll it insert in. more into the schedule. Um, Cause like, there's always surprising teams. Like, like, like I was looking forward to Rockets Pistons to see when they were going to first play. Like their first game is November 10th. And that is on national TV. So we get to see Killian Hayes versus Christian Wood facing his former team against the Detroit Pistons and also Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. Also. Uh, the, yeah, so, <laughs> so that game's <laughs> actually on national TV. But um, like if let's let's say Houston or Detroit were to surpass expectations and be a, you know, a play-in tournament contender, which is unlikely, but you know, they I don't think Houston has a single national TV game after January. 
So, I mean, if they if they were competitive, then you insert those in the latter half of the year. So, that, well, that and seems I can, to be the I, I can say this as someone that pays attention to a small market team. Like, take for instance, because the way they set this up, I think the, 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 the Grizzlies had seven national television games, which is all a credit to John Morant and the fact that he was so high in jersey sales that people want to see him. But, like, one of them is in the first 40-something games. Oh, wow. And yeah, then, I'm looking like, at that now. And then Portland. That's six. It. Six of them are in like the last 29 games of the year. Oh, so if yeah, you're not yeah. any good, they could bump you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to have to prove your worth in order to stay in those national television games or else you'll get flexed out. I was kind of surprised Atlanta, who just had a Easter Conference Finals appearance and has Trey Young on their team, they, they were on TV twice last year. They're 14. This year. So not a huge amount. Obviously, it's way up from last year. But take into consideration, Phoenix, they played one time on national TV last year. This year, they're going to play 23 times on national TV. They go from one game on national TV. I didn't realize it was that low to 23. Um, And to your point on the Pelicans, they were scheduled for 20 national appearances, including an opening night and Christmas game. And now they're down to 10. So they went from 20 national uh, television games to 10. And then, of course, the big one is what happens when you lose a superstar and James Harden no longer with Houston. And they had 26 national appearances last year, or I guess the last full season that he was there in 1920. Um, whereas this year, if you want to watch Jalen Green, you're going to have to do it on League Pass. And so those were some of the teams that went down, wow. some of the teams that went up. You know? Interesting. Uh, is Does OKC have the least? Because I just pulled up their schedule. They have There's no four yeah. NBA TV games, nothing else. Just right. four NBA TV games for the yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder. That's <laughs> yes. it. Four. Yeah. Tough. I mean, look, League Pass Poku. Yeah, league That's pass. We're gonna start calling him league, league, league pass. pass. Uh, Gilgis Alexander, Giddy. That's right. That's they right. have some. They have some fun young players, dude. Like that's that's the crazy thing about you know some of these teams that are going to be bad, that are going to miss the playoffs. There's a, still a lot of good talent on these bad teams, which speaks to how deep the league is nowadays. Like we have to re- recalibrate our, our expectations of what is a a good team versus a bad team, just because there's so much depth and talent in the league today. Well, and you remember it was just a few years ago where I said there was really only like maybe one or two teams that when I would go to games, it'd be like, I don't really care about seeing anybody on this team. And one of them just a few years ago was Charlotte. And now you desperately want to go see Charlotte, right? No kidding. And it's not just LaMelo. It's other guys on that team too. Miles Bridges is super fun to watch. That's right. Detroit was one of those, and now you want to see Kate Cunningham. And so there are some of these teams that flip rather quickly. They go from a team that you couldn't care less about watching to a team that now you have some level of interest in them. Um, And so, look, I mean, League Pass was fun to flip around last year, and they're, like you said, there's for sure going to be somebody that is a lot better and a lot more fun to watch than we maybe anticipated going into the year. Um, Hope and so. frank, frankly, Hope so. they had to sit Gilgis Alexander just so they lost games last year. They were catching teams 
You know, remember we got about halfway through the season. It's like, why are they good? They're they're almost five hundred. Yeah, their their, <laughs> you know? net, their net rating was horrible, but at one point it still it still boggles my mind how they had such a poor net rating, and yet at one point they were near five hundred. Yes, it's crazy. Like they were at one point this season, deep into the season, they were nineteen and twenty four at one point on March twenty second, midway through the year. And then they won three games the rest of the season. They went three and twenty six <laughs> after that. Three and twenty six. <laughs> oh no! Nineteen and twenty four. Oh wow! All yeah. right. Uh, other news that we need to get to. Uh, Josh Richardson got an extension with the Boston Celtics. Uh, another move in Brad Stevens' off season. Um, he has. He has signed, uh, you know, he made the trade for Al Horford. He signed Marcus Smart to his extension. He signed Robert Williams, the Time Lord, to his extension. And then yesterday signed Josh Richardson to his extension. What do you think? And what do you think about Brad Stevens' first offseason? Uh, there's two ways to look at the Richardson, Smart, Hor- you know, everything, everything they've done this offseason. One, like these are some solid players. Right. Getting Josh Richardson locked up for an extra season. If he can get back to the guy that we last saw in Miami before we started changing teams and things kind of fell off for him, then you get a good player, a good two way player on your roster. Um, you know, Marcus Smart at a, you know, a pretty fair dollar value annually. Uh, Robert Williams, it's a big if, but if Robert Williams can stay healthy, that's a great contract for the team. Um, but it's hard not to look at some of these decisions that are being made by the Celtics and not think about the fact that they still want to make a big move. And Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum, that relationship is very real. If Beal were to want to leave Washington either during the season or next offseason in a sign and trade, Al Horford plus Josh Richardson equals the new Bradley Beal max contract the following summer in a sign and trade. So for the Celtics, you're getting quality players under contract who you'd be perfectly happy keeping. It just so happens that you put those pieces together and they equal the salary of these star level max contract players that you inevitably want to be in a position to target. So that I like overall what the Celtics have done this offseason. I think they're a better team. I think after they underwhelmed last year, they are positioned to exceed expectations now because they've been muted a bit. But so much of that, like on paper is one thing. So much of that is going to depend on how Udoka and the, and the system and this team and the chemistry works. Because last year, the chemistry was bad. If this year the system and the chemistry and the vibe is good in Boston, this team is going to be be really, really strong because on paper, they're great. One of the things that when when like the smart contract comes out or the Time Lord contract comes out or even the Richardson extension, one of the things that happens. And I say this because I'm guilty of it, too, is that we're so programmed for so many years. We looked at these numbers and you could become aghast at, wow, he's making that a year or you're going to be paying Marcus Smart almost blah, blah, blah a year. And same thing happened with Duncan Robinson, whatever. And it's very difficult as an observer to recalibrate what guys get paid now. Like the best players now are getting paid 40 and $50 million. And so you have to recalibrate what a starting quality or 
you know, seven man rotation guy gets paid in the NBA, which is a ton of money. And I remember a couple of years ago, somebody brought this up uh, and forgive me because I can't remember who it was, but, and I don't know if anybody ever did it because I've never seen it is somebody needs to, and I will tell you that I apologize if this already exists, if it does not exist, and we get so many questions about young people trying to figure out where their niche is, here's a golden idea in the case that somebody hasn't done it yet. And if they have done it, I'm not aware of it. Somebody needs to figure out how to create a template where it would make it uh, make it make sense in terms of the money now versus the money they used to get paid. And follow me here, right? Like, so when when Marcus Smart contract comes out, that would have been equivalent to this kind of a contract, what this guy made, or some kind of comp from yesteryear when we were so used to the numbers and they were close to, or it was a different economic landscape, right? So if a guy got paid a crazy amount of money, like that was a large percentage of the cap. And so if there's some way for somebody to make it so like almost an equals this in this day and age, kind of like how they do with, uh, you know, uh, you know, if they're going to say gone with the wind would have made so-and-so if you account for inflation, like, right? Like that's what we need to do regarding this. Like if we said, oh God, if you paid 15 bucks to go watch ET, like you pay 15 bucks to go see jungle cruise or whatever. Right. So that's not on, it's not fair to compare. Well, so when I see Marcus smarts contract, it ain't fair to compare to what that contract for so many years. It's a good, it's a good line. It's I not fair at. to compare. Yeah, it's not. In fact, <laughs> yeah, well, well, just just for reference right here, 10 years ago, the 2011-12 season, Kobe Bryant was making $25.2 million, most in the NBA. This year, that would rank 43rd, right behind DeMar DeRozan's $26 million, just ahead of Draymond Green's $24 million. So 10 years ago, what was first... Now is 43rd. Okay, so give me somebody that was like making like 10 million. Do you have a list right there? Yeah, I do. Okay, so, so give me so, like a 10 million. Uh, how about how about Jose Calderon made $9.8 million in 2011 12? So that's yeah. like the Marcus Smart deal, <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty much. Sure. Because you're saying, you know, because somebody's making two and a half times what Marcus Smart is. Yeah. And by the way, not, uh, that was the 55th highest salary in 2011, 12. Um, now that would be the, the 132nd highest salary. So 55th yeah. to 132nd or for Kobe it was first to what I say? 43rd. Yeah. But Crazy. Kobe Bryant is making $50 million now, right? In the and NBA. So yes. When, yep. If, if, yep. if you look at it through the prism of when you hear that number and you go, Oh, so Marcus Smart's about on par with Jose Calderon. Like if Jose Calderon was playing now, he's making that Marcus Smart contract yeah. probably yeah. or close. <laughs> and that that makes it make a lot more sense, right? But it's hard to make sense of it unless you go back and you see. Now, 
Uh, you'd have to look. And J- Jason Terry made eleven point four, one of the yeah. best you know rotation players in the NBA, and he had the forty third highest you know salary. Now, like you know, I mean that that's you know chump change for NBA role players. He'd be making probably near like the Duncan Robinson money. Sure. He'd be making around twenty plus million dollars in today's NBA. So, some way to compare the two eras, even like the last five years, last ten years, and try to figure out what guys of that talent level get paid because the truth is it's just kind of the going rate now if you if you're a starter or a a, a, a starter quality player you're typically getting paid that unless there's some extenuating circumstances i don't want this whole conversation to hurt dennis schroeder's feelings we're not talking about that right he's he's wildly underpaid we know Right. Like it's not fair. Sometimes life isn't fair. But he did have a chance to make $20 million in fairness, right? Once upon a time. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. All right, let's move on to other things that have happened since we last spoke. One of them was that there is now another situation where a kid is signing with overtime elite this time around uh, it is a two-year seven-figure deal uh, that was just announced yesterday top 10 player in 2023 Um, (laughs) 2023 and so what is happening with this overtime elite is that we're having so they're targeting like sophomores and juniors, and that's who they are signing um, for this upcoming league. And they are throwing around a ton of money. Uh, we are seeing this happen quite often now. It feels like we're getting a lot of announcements. This kid's name is Tyler Smith. He's the number eight prospect in 2023. And so he is signing with them. Um you know, another, uh, you know, for, for what it's worth, another service has him ranked 15th. Okay. So whatever, if you want to say consensus, top 15, top 20 player in the 2023 class. Okay. And so it's another one and they are now, I guess the goal is getting about 20 to 30 of these sophomores and juniors in high school basketball and pay them a lot of money. Um, and I guess we'll see what kind of uh, what what kind of money they can make off of this. Obviously, they have ridiculous backing. For those that don't know, Jeff Bezos is behind this. Drake Drake is by, Kevin Durant is behind this. So I mean, this is not guys that don't know what they're doing with this overtime elite. And Tyler Smith got uh, two years, seven figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, uh, and he's not even 17 yet, right? He's right. 16. He turns 17 later this year. Right. 
Well, look, yeah. you just had, so my buddy Gary Parrish over at CBS wrote an article, and this wasn't even regarding this one. This was, he wrote this article over the last one and then over uh, Jalen Duran when he committed to the University of Memphis. He said how overtime elite targeting high school stars is much is a much bigger threat to college basketball than the G League. 100% and, is. And yeah. this is why. Because... Jalen Duran went and he said, um, when he signed, he said that the G League offered him a million dollars, a million for one year. And he said that he would be just fine and he'd be able to make it by playing at the University of Memphis. Memphis has one of the biggest corporations in the world in town, FedEx which a lot of people think is very responsible for helping this. But the truth is, things now can be above board. Your name, image, and likeness, can't you can profit off of that. And so you actually could be able to go and make money. The problem is, and this is why overtime's a problem for college basketball, ain't nothing you can do with sophomores and juniors. If they're going to get them at that age, they're getting them at that age, you know, and then there's there's nothing really you can do about it. Like if you can catch them right before they're coming to college, then then the choice is I can go play college basketball and go play the G League. Well, college basketball, since the name image and likeness came around, they've made it so I could actually make the money going and playing college. Like I'm not having to sacrifice that money. By playing college basketball, I could still make money. But if you want to make that kind of money when you're a sophomore, when you're a junior, big I difference. Mean, yep. Well, and think about this Jazian Gortman, okay, is a five star prospect. He signed a one year deal with Overtime Elite for 650 grand. All right. Then Overtime Elite signed four star prospect Bryce Griggs to a two-year contract reportedly worth $1.2 million. Kevin, he is a four-star guard, okay? Four-star guard who is ranked in the 40s of his high school class right now. And they paid him $1.2 million to spend two years in the league. And so... I really have started to wonder, like, on all of this stuff, like, are there going to be any? Uh, there will always be the late bloomers that slip through the cracks, right? Somebody that explodes later. But the ones that are identified at an early age, I mean, when you're talking about 20, 30 guys, uh, the best ones that are identified by, uh, you know, this group of people that are running overtime elite and they're getting them into this system uh, in their high school years. I mean, is this where it's it's going to be where all the best players go? It really is. And, and, th and this is this unless is, somebody creates something. It's kind of like the whole. What is it? What was it like? Uh, seven second abs. And it was it something about Mary and the guy creates or listen to me, six second abs, right? So he's gonna, <laughs> yeah. so I guess somebody could go and start signing elementary school kids 
<laughs> eventually so, to yeah, million dollar yeah. contracts to one up them. But who knows? Who, who knows? knows? I mean, especially when you have, you know, somebody like Drake recruiting you, you know, you mm-hmm. listen to his music, you're a big fan of him. And it was brought up to me by multiple people when I was in Vegas. They said, like, they're curious about what happens with Amari Bailey. He is committed to UCLA. He's a top prospect um, in next year's class. But Drake dates his mom and like Drake and is very close to the Mari Bailey. So like they wonder, you know, could he decommit from UCLA and could they get a big bag of cash with the overtime league? And, you know, and like that would be, you know, the, one of the first players to decommit, you know, from from a school, a great school, UCLA, after having name, image, and likeness. Like he can make a lot of money playing for UCLA. Oh, poor Mick Cronin. But, he lost the one kid. There's another kid that's like, well, is it the best point guard in the class? Who's going to the G League? That kid was going to UCLA. Yeah, yeah they had Knicks initially, and then he decommitted last year <laughs> oh, and no. went to the G League. So, like, let's say if Bailey were to, I mean, well, uh, this is just, right. you know, people in Vegas talking. Yep. But the fact is, is that he has one of the people who invested millions of dollars uh, into the overtime league. Yep. Hanging out with him, <laughs> hanging out with his mother. <laughs> I mean, it's conceivable. It's that maybe maybe he'd want to join the overtime league, you know? Yep. Keeping it in a circle. Makes some sense. So we'll there's going to be 20 to 30 prospects that are going to be going to this. Uh, Did 16... you know that, Chris? Because I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know. I don't follow like celebrity news like that. They're like who Drake's dating. Right. I, I didn't I didn't know that until I, I don't was know in Vegas. if it was so I was like, what? Stay in his mom? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was like House of Highlights or something like that, but somebody had them at his AAU game on the front row together. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Um so I had I had seen that somewhere. I texted uh Gary who had written this overtime elite article this morning, and I asked him, I said, Okay, how I get it. I get the, you know. The Bezos, Durant, Drake backing this, the amount of money they're putting into this. They're obviously paying this kid, these kids a fortune. Like, I understand it. And they've obviously got this crazy backing. But how are they going to make money off of this? Is it like TV? Is it going to be a TV contract? And this is what he said. He said they have a massive social media following that they believe they can monetize. Um, it's going to be a reality style show. That's what it's going to be. He said, but everybody I know is really skeptical. It'll be a big moneymaker. You know what I mean? Like they're thinking they could flip that into, well, hell, I guess Bezos could give him an Amazon prime show. (laughs) He'd have the power to do that pretty easily. (laughs) He say, Hey, we'll just put it on Amazon prime. If you want to watch this, um, if he's one of the backers, but I don't know. I mean, would you watch the best 20, 30, 16, 17-year-olds? Well, I mean, would I? Probably not. But mm. like in terms of like a reality show type of thing. But I do think it's worth mentioning that the Crew League, um, which is like what some, you know, rappers have their own teams that they yeah. you know, sponsor or, you know, recruit players. That, that like if you watch their videos of the Crew League on YouTube, like the finals has like 4 million views on YouTube. Mm. Like the second round game has like 1.8 million views. So theoretically, if the crew league, which doesn't have top talent is able to have that type of draw, 
maybe the overtime league with Drake and all these guys, you know, behind it, tweeting it out, sharing it on social media, putting it on TikTok with top talent. Maybe, maybe that there's potential there for some type of either, you know, one-off video or, you know, TikTok series or some type of reality TV style thing where there, you know, there's cameras following them around everywhere. There is potential. There's a lot of potential there, whether it works or not, that remains to be seen. And sometimes you have to take that gamble and see how things work out. Maybe it folds in two, three years and we never hear from it again, but it could also be the beginning of something new. And that this is something that happens for a lot of young players if they go this path. It is hard. I mean, I can only imagine. Like, yes, the money is one thing, but saying no to Jeffrey Bezos, Drake, and Kevin Durant when they're wanting you to come to Elite, when that's who's recruiting you, (laughs) I would think it'd be very difficult to turn that down. What would be fascinating is some of these kids that are massive stars and have massive following at a very early age. LaMelo did. Bronny does. Like, if they got a Bronny or something like that. Um, yeah, you're right. If some of these guys Bronny. are some of these guys are mega famous already. Like, I just talked to that kid who was drafted by the Grizzlies, Zaire Williams, about this because he played at Sierra Canyon. And it's just a different world. It's like they were already famous when they were there. Right? Because he's on that team with Wade's kid and LeBron's kid. And they're on ESPN. And, and that has pros and cons. It's yeah, good to no, get that exposure on one hand. And on the other side, like it can affect you know somebody in a toxic way. But they also have massive followings. All of them. Then it becomes almost no big deal yes. when you're younger, right? So when, then right. when you reach the NBA and you're making millions of dollars, it's less of a shock to the system, to your that's family, right. to all your friends. Like You already are famous. Oh, there's no question. That's why all of these kids are unbelievable at interviews as compared to their I think uh, so too. Uh, yeah. The kids, uh, the, the the guys that came before them. If you compare the interviews you do with rookies now to even five years and ten years ago, it's a different world. It's not even close. No, because they've so, been on a camera. It's so far away. They've been on a camera. They've been on a microphone. They've been on a like they've they've, they've been grown on, up on, with on their it. own camera. Like they've That's talked right. into their own camera and done take over take over Absolutely. take to get a good video for their TikTok video or whatever. And they've like I don't like that one. I don't like that one. And they get better at it. So then when an, a camera and an interviewer in, is in front of them, it feels familiar because they've totally done it themselves or they've already been through it with somebody else interviewing them. Which is which is like like I said has pros and cons. It has pros and cons because for some young players, if they become infected with that and think social media currency is something that will lead to their success and their happiness, um, then, you know, that can be detrimental to their future and their career, whether it's playing basketball or doing something else in life. But on the other hand, if you are going to become famous as a rich and famous athlete, I think that early exposure can end up being like a good thing because you realize this, this, this is nothing. This What's is fascinating nothing, you know? to me. What's fascinating to me is this is to to hear that about the whole social media thing. This is a bet on that social media currency. Yeah, it is. Does yeah, that is. translate? You know what I mean? Because people for and, and and people are starting to make a. It took a long time for people to try to uh, to figure out how to make money, but there are a lot of people making a ridiculous amount of money. Now, from social media, 
their social media followers. For sure. Whether that's YouTube, whether that's Instagram, whether that's TikTok, whatever it may be, they are making a fortune off of these platforms. And so largely is, through sponsorships. Yeah. Largely. As yeah. of now. But like maybe at some point that shifts and and like it's more kind of ad based in a way that like TV is. If that well, were to happen. If they, you know? And if they put it in front of you, if they put it in front of you, you know what I mean? All the time, then inevitably people are now on their phones and on social media so much, you will have a incredible awareness of what is going on in that overtime league. You just will. And the highlights will be on House of Highlights. And the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I guess it can become a thing. I mean, like, think about, like, let's say that you're the NBA, right? And everybody talks about NBA TV ratings. Oh, the ratings are going down, blah, 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 this and that. Well, well, ratings continue to soar on social media every year. Instagram, you know, Twitter, TikTok, highlight videos are off the charts. for From the NBA account, from the House of Highlights account, regardless of where the, the, the videos and the highlights are posted, the interview clips, it does big-time numbers. If at some point in the next five, 10 years, maybe you can slap a sponsor onto all those highlights or slap, you know, have something on there. And then that can become a key revenue generator, maybe as much as TV, maybe more than TV. Like who knows how things are going to change over the next couple decades. Um, but like the online, you know, the internet, you know, it's like we talked about last week with VR and the metaverse and all that things are changing and they're changing rapidly. So, I mean, this, the overtime league is worth watching in a number of different ways. Cause I guarantee you the NBA and other sports leagues are going to be watching very, very, very closely to see how this works and what they can learn from it. So they can also make money um, as they're already multi-billion dollar business, how to keep making more money and keep growing the thing out. Yeah. It's the same sales integration that is yeah that now is the big thing that i am noticing really has taken off which is the whole almost everybody can have a storefront everybody can say swipe up and get this product yeah. Every, everybody can say i mean i see regular old people that now are on these platforms and they're saying uh you know i bought this from amazon it's unbelievable you know, link in my bio or whatever. And now all of a sudden you don't even, sometimes you don't even know, but they're catching the commission. If you go and buy whatever they're putting up, it looks like a regular video, right? But then you're like, oh, that looks like something I'd need. And they catch you on the impulse buy. And next thing you know, you're check linking in their bio, checking it out. And they've got some kind of a, they're, they're making money off of it. And so I think that's going to be the next thing. That's that is going to be the next thing. That's how they. It, it, it's that's now. how you can it's turn now. that into money, which is like the NBA or somebody like that. It's going to be here's a Zion Williamson highlight. Oh my God! Imagine that. And then at the end, swipe up to buy the jersey, or something like that. Right where there's just this integration where you can make money off of it and not necessarily have to post a Charmin ad at the beginning. You know, <laughs> you're actually making the money, not from an ad, but rather something you're selling. And I don't know what, what that will be regarding overtime elite, but it's fascinating because, I mean, some of these kids aren't going to make it and they're making kids millionaires. And so I'm all for it. I'm, I'm, and, and the other thing is this, as someone who's been around prep sports now, I mean, it is basketball is dirty as hell. 
I mean, disgusting. Truly. It really is. So I am all for these kids and their families going to this overtime elite, being in a structure, getting paid a bunch of money to do it, rather than all the people that start to try to become a part of a kid's life when they think that there's a payday at the end of it, right? Um, because well, there, there is, it just comes sooner now. Well, because well, it's for, much you know? it's a, it's much easier to protect though a kid that's you know through their freshman year rather than the high school kids. Once it's the high school kids and they start playing on all the AAU teams and everything else, now all of a sudden you got a lot of people that are trying to be a part of their life or trying to get them on this team or whatever. And, and not always, there's a lot of people in it for the kids. There are, I don't want to say there's not hundred percent. There's yeah. also a lot of people that are in it to try to profit because they think that there's going to be a payday for them too at the end of the rainbow. And so I like the kids getting the money They're the same way in college. They also don't have to go behind everybody's back now. Every one of them was getting paid. No, Every no, one no of more, them. Uh, bags of cash being yeah. dropped in players' cars from a from a shady car, now, <laughs> which has been happening for years. I mean, like player top college players have been, have been getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for yes. quite some time now. Not all, not all, not every school, but some schools. Oh, some Damn players, me. some Look, schools. You know, they, there's happens. always been ways to get around it. I know yeah. of one. I know. A, I had a player one time tell me, and I won't tell you the school, went to a school and they gave him a school book bag. All right. They gave him a school book bag and he went back to his hotel where he was staying. He opened it up. There's $25,000 in it. Cash. <laughs> cash. Yeah. He was like, oh my God, $25,000. I heard a similar story. Like that story I just gave with like a bag yeah. being dropped that off the car. It was like 10K yes. in the bag. I've heard that about a college player. I had, yeah. I had another one yeah. where a kid was, uh, his dad had like a, I think it was like a t-shirt company or something like that. Like not, and it wasn't, it just, you know, I a mean, job. It's, it's like everybody it was just knows a job. this. Like every every fan knows this already. Every every you know everybody knows this. <laughs> it was just like a job. It was a jo- just like a job, right? And all yeah. of a sudden, the boosters at the school, there was like two or three of them. They became big investors in this t-shirt company. They really believed in. <laughs> Next thing you know, a kid from you know New York is going to a school in you know Iowa or wherever. It's like what? Mm-hmm. What did they make any sense? But. Now you don't have to do all that crap. You know, at least it's Much on better. the up and up. It, it, it really it saved college basketball. Yes. It I saved so. it. Yeah. I think so too, right? Especially after all that Christian Dawkins crap uh, that took place. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There was this report about Ben Simmons and this, and there was like this connection to the Wolves, uh, interestingly enough. And so let me explain. Um, There's a good rundown uh, by Sam Quinn on uh, CBS that says, despite all reports suggesting that Ben Simmons wants to leave Philly, uh, the team has refused to budge when it comes to a price. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski recently reported the Sixers want a James Harden-esque package of draft picks and players in return for Simmons. Thus far, no team has been has proven willing to meet that price, blah, 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 blah. One party still interested, the Minnesota Timberwolves. According to John Krasinski, and let me just say this, in a day and age where it's like warfare for news with Woj and Chams and Mark Stein still gets some news here and there, and Windhorse Wind and Lowe Wind Horse, and yeah, Ramona guess, yeah. and whatever. The local beat writer owning their own beat is something that has just been almost almost become virtually impossible. This guy, John Krasinski in Minnesota, is unbelievable. Yeah, he's always he has on top had, of it. Does awesome work. He has had the T-Wolves on lock. Like, he's the one guy that I always see breaking the news about his team. It's unbelievable. And so he says the Timberwolves have continued their discussions with Philly on a possible Simmons deal, but they might need a third team to create the sort of win now package that Philly is looking for. And anybody could go read uh, the rest of this. They can read John on the athletic. There's a little rundown of it on, uh, on, on CBS, but the reason this is so fascinating, right? Is because first thing that I thought, was not, oh, what kind of return will they get or what's going to happen here? It was, those guys are buddies, right? Yeah, Rosas and Maury. They're buddies. So the idea that Daryl Morey and Gerson Rosas, who worked together for so many years, might be able to, you know, rope in somebody else if they need to make this deal go. Um and that they have had these conversations is fascinating to me because, you know, there's always been the whole, what about this for Ben Simmons? What about this for Ben Simmons? And it's usually we're just talking about a two-way deal. But a three-way deal now gets super interesting um, and seeing where Simmons would possibly land. And, and a couple of the names that they brought up, obviously they brought up Pat Bev, who they recently traded for. They bring up Malik Beasley. They bring up D'Angelo Russell. Um, and then they've got draft picks. And then maybe if you rope in a third team, that maybe that's how, um, that's how Philly ends up with whatever their desired hall for, uh, Simmons is. But do you think it's still going to take a superstar in return? I mean, like the flip, what Philly wants is to give Simmons and more to get. Damian Lillard that can't be emphasized enough. That's what they want to do. I mean, maybe it, maybe it's not Dame, maybe it's Bradley Beal, but they want to give Simmons plus more to get that guy. They don't want to take the package where it's five picks and two players for Simmons. They want to add four picks with Simmons to get a guy. So, you know, in that report, you know, he said the lack of win now assets, the Wolves could provide the Sixers, 
has been a hindrance. And that's why a third team would need to be provided. So they'd send like some draft picks to a third team. And then the third team would send, you know, some proven players to Philadelphia in that type of scenario. I read the report and read it and, and viewed it more as like, yes, Minnesota continues to pursue Simmons, but there's nothing here right now. Right. That, that was my impression from that report. And it connects to everything we've talked about in recent weeks that right now, Philly is just wait and see mode. They might take this into training camp. Things might get ugly. You're going to hear all the, you know, the PR statements from Simmons talking on the media. Oh, um, I want to be here, you know, this and that, unless he takes the approach saying, I don't want to be here. I want to be traded and things get really gross, really quick. And that could accelerate things. They clutch and Simmons could take that path. If they go, this goes into training camp, but I'll tell you what, Chris today recording, it's August 24th in about one month. People are going to be coming to training camp. Late September is going to be here really, really soon. So all this stuff that we've heard about over the off season, the teams that had interest in Dame, the teams that have interest in Simmons, keep this all in mind over the next six weeks or so, because even though things are quiet today, training camp is right around the corner. It's coming fast. It's coming fast. So this stuff could accelerate at some point in the, in about a month uh, once training camp does begin. But maybe not. Maybe Daryl Morey will be okay with things getting ugly because he's waiting for that superstar in Damian Lillard. I don't know. Do you think they will? Because, I mean, they should have last year, and they ended up with the number one seed, Kev. You know? What, what do you mean? I mean, that was a thing all last year. It was all Simmons for Harden, Simmons for Harden, Simmons for Harden. That's all it was everywhere. And, that, and Simmons was cool with it. But I think things were different then, though. I really do. Uh, I think things were different because he didn't, you know, pass up the dunk and kind of get thrown under the bus mm-hmm. by his, you know, his co-star and Joel Embiid and his coach. And yeah. it, like there wasn't this whole perception from Philly fans wanting him gone. Like they want him out. A lot of Sixers fans want him gone today. They don't want to wait. They want him gone now. And then the other side of it is that Simmons and Clutch also want to change too. So I, I think the circumstances have changed since he was involved in Harden discussions uh, versus where things are today. They're dramatically different. A couple other quick things before we get out of here. The Celtics are going to retire Kevin Garnett's number. Mm. Um, <laughs> now, how long was he there? Six it's not years, very long. Like seven years. Oh, really? Something like that. Seven I the years? Top of my head. I thought they won right when he got there. Right? Six years. Six years with Boston. Longer than I thought. Six years. Okay. Longer than I thought. Uh, Six years. Only six years, though. I mean, that's abnormal for a player to get their number retired. But ultimately, in those six years, Mm -hmm. um, Kevin Garnett changed everything. And I I think the imprint that he made on the Celtics, uh, I mean, like when that deal was made, Um, I was on, I think a family vacation with my parents and maybe New Hampshire or Vermont, something like that. And it was the same day that the Red Sox traded for Eric Gagne. The Celtics got Kevin Garnett, July 31st, 2006, uh, 2007. Um, and, uh, that was a huge day. I was super excited about Gagne who didn't work out with the Red Sox. So super excited with Kevin Garnett because the first, the first game I ever went to was Celtics Timberwolves back like in 98 or 99 something like that. 
And um, I always loved Kevin Garnett. I always loved watching him in Minnesota. I was the person on message boards always arguing that KG was better than Tim Duncan. Mm. I was that guy, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, so when the Celtics got KG, I was pumped and jacked, Chris, going from a team that lost 19 games in a row to hoping to tank and get K- KD, Kevin Durant, or Greg Oden to getting Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen in the same summer. It was incredible. And for, you know, we've seen so many different iterations of super teams in the years since that happened, whether it's the Heatles or the Warriors, you know, the failed teams like the Lakers with Nash, Howard and Kobe, the Nets with KG and Pierce and Darren Williams. Um, But that Celtics team, the start they got off to that year. I mean, it was, it was just such a thrill to watch that team. Every game with my dad, it was such a thrill and the way they won it uh, game six in Boston against the Lakers. I always remember the Kevin Garnett kind of the hanging shot. Uh, I think I think it gave them a 26 point lead or something like that when he got bodied in the lane, but he threw it in off the glass. Went in that that whole game was a uh, that game six was just a big celebration. Doc Rivers getting the Gatorade shower, which you never see in basketball. Never only happens on football sidelines. But uh, yeah, anything is possible after the game. Yeah, um, Kevin Garnett. Uh, I'm happy he's getting his number retired. Um, he's a special player, special player who just changed that franchise forever for six years, but really forever. Yeah. One day when they bring that team back and they do the, let's say 20 year anniversary, right? They bring Rod though. And they bring KG and they bring Pierce. They bring Ray. They bring, all they that. bring all well, they, they, might, bring, they, they hope they bring Ray hope, hope by that point they they're able to, to bury they, it. They will, but they bring all those guys so. back for the 20 year thing. Right. Who gets the biggest ovation? You think it's Pierce or you think it's KG? Um, I I was at the game when the Nets returned for the first time and KG mm-hmm. and Pierce were there. I, it was pretty close. I mean, in terms of really? like the loud the loudness. Yep. With with Pierce and Garnett returning, it was pretty close. Uh, I'd say it'd be nearly equal. Like I said, Pierce spent you know almost his entire career. I know in he was. He was drafted there. He went through it all. He was part of those teams where like people said he was a loser and people said he couldn't win. And he should be traded. And you know, and I understood that argument. I did. Really but I did feel at the like time, people but. think they won. Yes, Paul was amazing. They won because they got Kevin. I mean, Garnett so, changed everything. Garnett changed the culture. That's right. He it makes you Ubuntu. more beloved. He, he right? brought it. He did. And I, 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 I wouldn't say Garnett's going to get bigger cheers. I, I would say they're going to be comparably loud, which is unusual considering he only spent six years in Boston. Yeah. Whereas Pierce, you know, was there ever since he was drafted and he grew up there. I mean, he became a star in Boston for fifteen years. It's abnormal, but it, it would be it would be close. It'd be close. Let me tell you another thing. It is hard as hell to get your number to retire two places. Yeah, it is. That's yep. tough. And Garnett deserves it, though. I really oh, think that. Right. And uh, by the way, the Celtics have retired so many numbers. What's I know. another one? What's another one? Just throw throw another one up there. I know. It's like, <laughs> R- 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 Rondo's nine might be the only single digit left, right? Oh, I guess Antoine's eight is still around. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. What I think the Celtics should do, and this might be blasphemous, but there's so many numbers retired. So many numbers. I think like they should make it like a, you know, like a, like the numbers are commemorated, but players could wear them. Mm. I think that could be kind of, no, no, you're no. not a fan of that. No, it's just an idea. No, I like the idea that do you, you do can't you like wear the, it. The, the oddball yeah. numbers. I do. 
You do? So you're into that. I like the fact that, like, you ain't going to, you're not going to L.A. and wearing 33. Well, and I'm not and you're saying not wearing like you 32, let, And you're not wearing 32 either. Well, I'm not saying you should let any player wear, like, number five or number 34. Or any how of these you, how, do you stop, how do you stop that? I don't know. I mean, it's tough to police. It's just just an idea. You know maybe, I mean? maybe maybe that's a better idea for like an NFL team because you have so many players. Well, they know, do like that. I mean, a lot of NFL teams. I know. Yeah. I mean, look, well, my oh, favorite. Yeah. Well, my favorite have a number team. Up, but players can still wear it. I, the Cowboys certainly. You can. There's been a bunch of 88. Right. Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. Patriots, they're not gonna let anybody wear twelve. Sure. Hell no. Okay. Hell no. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think they would. What what do you think about the uh the Mac Jones, Cam Newton quarterback uh, competition happening right now? You got Cam out for five days because he's unvaccinated and he got some w- w- weird testing protocols. This is my opinion. I think that the next uh I think all four of those kids are gonna start. Obviously, Lawrence is going to start at the very beginning. Wilson is going to start at the very beginning. But I think Fields will end up starting and Mack will end up starting. I think all of them will. At some point. I it's mean, a matter Cam, of time. Cam Newton might start week one. Yeah, uh, but, I mean. But, but, it's, but it's, it's inevitable that Mac Jones yeah, is going to take I mean, over. This is what happened inevitable. with, uh, you know, it's kind of like the whole, uh, and same with Dalton. It's kind of like when Tyrod Taylor started the season for the Browns a couple of years ago. Baker Mayfield eventually became the starter, you know, the starter. Those guys will it and 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 it happened to Tyrod again last year. Now, of course, his own uh, you know, health staff stabbed him in the in the ribs, and that's what took him out. But I mean, Justin Herbert ended up uh having a crazy rookie season. Yeah, I think I think Mack will start too. He's been great in the preseason. I know it's just preseason, but I mean what do you need to see? The kid threw for 4,500 yards and 50 touchdowns and two picks or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> even though it's preseason, uh, I've been impressed. And even though it's like often with the second string, I-, I hope in week three, which is usually the week you see the starters play extended time, I hope we see both Cam and Mac Jones get extended opportunities with the starting unit because I- I'm excited to see how Mac Jones does. So I-, I think he's the real deal. Me and my buddy Bill, we watched the NFL draft earlier uh, t- uh, this year together. Yep. Um, and we wanted Mac. We wanted to trade up for Mac Jones. Didn't need to trade up. He fell. Patriots got him. Yeah. Back to winning ways. Back to the playoffs. Going to get a Patriots Bucks Super Bowl, Chris. Mac Jones versus Tom Brady. How about that? Uh, like the sooner you, you you get to watch Mac Jones, the better because the Cam's best days are long behind them at this point. Which is I feel. too bad. I used to love watching Cam. Everybody you did. Know, he, he was so fun to watch. His MVP season, outstanding. Yeah. It's not the same anymore. By the way, one, one quick thing on the Celtics numbers. You asked, like, they only have, like, nine available. Yeah. The numbers that are retired, one, two, three, five now with Kevin Garnett, six, 10, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, <laughs> 22, 23, 24, 25, 31, 32, 33, 34, Whoa. 35, double zero. And then Lasky. Whoa. <laughs> it's a lot who's of numbers. T- who's 23? 23 is Frank Ramsey. Wow. Nine season for the Celtics. How about that? The original sixth man. How about that? Seven titles from 56 through uh, 61. Yeah. Retired all those dudes' numbers. Led the team in free throws made in 57 to 58, according to the Celtics.com retirement (laughs) page. There you go. Mm -hmm. What went to it? And 
obviously you've got what uh, you know. You're hoping Tatum's in those rafters one day. Certainly, appears he's on track to maybe be in those rafters Who knows, one day. Man. Things right? change fast in the NBA. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of numbers left. Uh, last thing before we get out of here. Clay Thompson, we had talked about this, and hey, when do you think they'll uh, get him back? You know, Kevin Garnett, or Kevin Garnett, Kevin Durant, he was out for like 18 <laughs> months, you know, when he came back. And he clearly has become one of these amazing stories of return from Achilles. The best ever, honestly. Like, unless you want to say that one Kobe here. But, I mean, he, Kevin Garnett has looked like himself. He did not stay uninjured throughout the entire season. But when healthy and when, play, when he was able to play, he was the full Kevin Garnett experience. And then he was amazing in the Olympics. So he's able to play extra basketball too, uh, this summer. And so he has kind of become the guy that you can hold up as, but we got to remember he was able to stay out a long, long time, you know, post injury by not only uh, the circumstances in which, um, he was coming back from injury. And so now they're saying with clay, probably around Christmas time, uh, till he comes back. And so we'll see if the, you know, how the Warriors are able to do without him until then. I mean, I think if you're the Warriors, you're just hoping you could stay near 500 or, or you know, maybe a little better until you get him back and then be able to make your run the second half of the season. But it does leave a lot of questions regarding what kind of season they can end up having and what the ceiling is on, you know, place they can get in the Western Conference because, I mean, that's a lot of basketball games that are going to be played before December. And then, you know, are we getting the full Clay Thompson experience, you know, when he comes back? And is he going to be more like Wes Matthews when he came back or Kevin Durant when he came back? Obviously, he is a superior player to Wes Matthews, but I'm just saying two different guys and how it affected them and their games. Um. So who knows? I mean, it makes it very difficult, I think, to predict where the Warriors, you know, what expectations should be for this upcoming year. But they're saying they're saying Christmas time. It'd be cool if he made his debut right around Christmas time. That'd be pretty cool. I have a, a podcast on the Ringer NBA show coming out on Wednesday with Marcus Thompson from The Athletic talking about, you know, largely about the Warriors, but also some other teams. And I thought, you know, Steph Curry, he broke it down to Marcus in an interview a couple of weeks back. It's three stages for the Warriors this season. The beginning of the year, until Clay Thompson comes back, then a period reintegrating Clay back into the lineup, and then playoffs. And you hope you, you know, make a deep playoff run and go to the finals. So, you know, for the Warriors, this is going to be another year of change. Um, maybe it ends up being a transition year. Maybe it's a year where the Warriors aren't actually back. They have the fourth highest finals odds on FanDuel. Um, between behind the Lakers, Nets, and Bucks. I mean, I, I'm curious, Chris, do you think that's too high for Golden yes. State with all the uncertainty you do? Yeah, just with the uncertainty. I mean, I just think that's a bad, I think it's bad odds. I wouldn't bet that now. Yeah. I bet th- th- because I think you could look up and you could bet that in December. Those odds aren't going to be worse in December. Yeah, the, the odds are going to be better, better right before Clay comes back. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, think you're, you're going right. to get a, a why, why on earth? You'd be an idiot to bet that thing now. Just wait. It's not gonna that th- those odds are not gonna get worse for you if the, if you wait until December. They're not gonna be twenty and twenty five and ten. I promise you. And, and if we're talking gambling for a second here for finals odds, 
a team like the Suns has a as a fairly easy early season schedule. Theoretically, mm-hmm. if they blow through that, their odds could go up. Golden sure. State's odds go down. So if you do believe in Golden State come, you know, April, May, and June, the best time might actually be like like you said, right a little bit before Clay comes back. A yes. little bit before then. Yes. That's I, I mean will, I will say this though, Chris. What if what if Jordan Poole and begins this season like he ends last season. And what if the team is really good early in the year and the odds stay the same, knowing Clay's going to come back at some point? It, even then, it won't. It's not like it'll get better necessarily. I don't care. I don't care how good Jordan Poole is. The West is murder, man. <laughs> it is, dude. Yeah, one one little slip, and you're the it you're is the ninth hard seed. You're to in the plan. It's hard yeah. to be awesome in the West. It, what, what did we say last week? Only Houston and OKC yeah. would like guarantee won't get one of the top 10 spots. Yeah. It's hard to be yeah. awesome in the West. It yeah, is. It is. And really so hard. It, that is, those are the odds of an awesome team. And I don't think they're going to look like that after a couple of months. They will or could certainly when they get Clay back. I don't know if their odds will ever be shorter seriously i mean the, the three ahead of them are the lakers they're gonna it doesn't matter what kind of season hell the lakers didn't have a good year last year and they were still odds on yeah you, know, you obviously dropped the clippers out of there but i mean milwaukee philly they're still up there right all right so it's those three milwaukee philly and the lakers is that the three with the shortest odds no. Uh, no, Brooklyn one, oh, Lakers Brooklyn. two. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Bucks three, Warriors four, then Jazz, Suns, Sixers, Clippers, Nuggets, Heat, Mavs, Hawks, Celtics. That's Phil- that's the Philly's the best. Uh, that's the best odds to me. I, I agree uh, because like, if you, let, if you yes. assume like Simmons at some point were to potentially right. get traded, if it were especially for a Damian Lillard, their odds would go boom. Yes, boom. Yes, you know. So I'm I'm with you there of those odds. I, I think in terms of their chance versus what their odds are right now, they should be ahead of some of those teams. Plus 4,900 for Boston behind mm. Atlanta at 4,000. That those are pretty good odds too. Um, I'm not saying I would bet on the Celtics to win the finals, but those aren't bad odds by yes, any are. means. And yes, East. they are. Really? Yeah. What did they? Do? How are they would better? You, would you Would you say they have no chance? Why are they better? Like I said, chemistry. Oh, they got the a worse coach. I'm going to guess they've got a worse coach. I, I, I think Brad, it'd be Brad, very Brad diff- Stevens says they have a better coach. I, 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 find, I find that to be very difficult. I don't know. Sometimes a change in voice can be a very positive thing for a team. Maybe so. Maybe so. I think they have more depth. I think their roster's stronger. Richardson, Horford, these guys like aren't you know big superstar names or anything like that. But I, I think the Boston roster is a lot stronger. Schroeder's not a bad player. No, not bad. Neesmith was much better in the latter half of the year. Like some of the younger guys, their team's really good on paper. All right. We'll see how it works out, but it's good on paper. So Boston and Philly, those are the two odds each of us like. We are going to do a mailbag on Friday. Summer, summer mailbag time. So send in your emails. We'll answer anything, basketball or non-basketball. Send your emails. Tell them the address, Kev. NBA mailbag at gmail.com. There you go. NBA mailbag at gmail.com. Send those in and we'll get to as many as we can on Friday. Thank you to our executive producer, Sasha Ashal, as always. And we will talk to you on Friday.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 